For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 120. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I got into the whiskey early, my friend. I don't know about oh, you, but... I, I did too. I'm. This might have you fooled because it's a McDonald's cup, but it's not <laughs> all McDonald's soda. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Why are you drinking out of that? Because I was I like to have I don't drink straight whiskey. I, I well sometimes I do, but not regularly. I like to have a mixer. So I have Sprite and a little uh Jim Beam Apple in there. Sprite? What? Do they not have Sprite in Canada? No, no, we have Sprite in Canada. <laughs> I just You don't like it? I don't ever that never comes close to my whiskey ever at all well, whatsoever. Do you consider Jim Beam whiskey? Isn't it rye whiskey? I, I don't necessarily know the it's, difference yet. Ryan's going to kill me, can, but like te- it's technically, I think Kentucky bourbon. Okay, yeah, yeah, I do. That's what I'm drinking now. I'm drinking Kentucky bourbon now, and okay. I call well, it whiskey. It has it's a green apple flavor. It goes really good with Sprite. I promise. Okay, I'm already not a fan of the green apple thing, but that's fine. That's fine. It's fine. To each their own, right? Like I don't have to like it for it to be good. Uh, you know what are you drinking? I'm going to critique that now. Uh, it's, it's Kentucky bourbon. I okay, don't know so the name. I, it's got a horse I, on the top of the bottle, and it's in a bag, so I don't. I never look at the name. Well, it sucks. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it has a bag, and it's numbered, all right? It's numbered by pen. His owner wrote the number of like the barrel that it came from. It's probably very good, and I'm quite jealous that I'm drinking Jim Beam Green Apple, and you're having that. You're also drinking on a McDonald's cup, buddy. Come on now. I had a hard day, Mitch. What do you want from me? <laughs> Thing, it's fine. We don't need to get into it and pry about your hard day. You deserve your McDonald's cup, Jim Bean, green apple. It's fine. Don't, don't need to get into it. Do you have an addition for us for 120? I do. So we're going with something a little different. Thank you uh, to Piper for the suggestion of going all the way up to uh, 119, where we were taking a player from that corresponding draft post-2000. Um, this idea comes to us from, I just want to get it right, uh, Jonathan S. on Twitter. Okay. Jonathan sent me a DM about this. And so the idea is that we take a player 
sorry, Jonathan's Twitter handle, I should I should say that, is Jonathan81892, which sounds like a made-up account, but it's not. Um, he came, He told me uh, to take the a player who's, co- who's played the number of games corresponding to the podcast we're doing. So we're doing 120, so I can either take a player who's played 120 games or 20 games. And I decided to go the low oh, end because I thought that would be more you. fun. Right, who do we got? So we have the Gilles Thibaudot edition. Gilles Thibaudot. I even meant the French name because that might be harder for you. Perfect. Thank you so much. I look very forward to finding out more about, was it Gilles Thibaudot? <laughs> sound like <laughs> I already forgot what it was. <laughs> it sounds like a Joey trying to say French. Um, it, yes, it's Thibaudot. Thibaudot. C T H. It's a T H. T H. Thibodeau. Yeah, there you like go. Like Tom Thibodeau. Uh, if you to give you a little bit more context, he played twenty games for the Islanders. I won't tell you the year or anything like that. Great. But he was part of the trade that brought Jack Capuano into the Islanders organization. Oh, fantastic! Thanks a lot. So there's that, just to make your, 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 your mind work a little bit there. So we'll, we'll get to him come the, uh, the quiz section at the end. But this is, uh, thank you, Jonathan S. Uh, this is the Gilles Thibodeau edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Great. So with that, let's get right into it. I'm excited for it. Uh, we'll start by talking about the games. And honestly, last night, the Islanders left a really bad taste in my mouth. They lost Maybe you could probably make the case that it was the worst regular season loss under the Barry in the Barry Trotz era. Really run me the wrong way. Uh, worse than the Barry Trotz era? I don't know about that one. That that that's a big that's a big no for me. But it's bad. It was bad for sure. So the Islanders put forth a very minimal effort. We actually broke it down a half hour worth of post game content, by the way, on Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. So we really went in deep in it. But I, I was not in a good mood. Last night, neither of us were because, I mean, the Islanders played garbage. And they the the sad part is it was a second half of back-to-back. So the Islanders played in Detroit the night before, looked really good. They won a good game and then went to Montreal and played for 12 minutes, maybe? Give or take 12 minutes, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't really a great week of uh, Islanders games for us. No, we had like the three, right? So the, the Habs one, the Detroit one, and then what was the other one that I'm missing Columbus. here? Columbus. And that was a good one, right? Shut out. Uh, and then we have the Detroit game, like you said, was good. And then the Montreal game, which was not good at all whatsoever. Uh, the only player that played well in that game was Thomas Grice. Yeah. Uh, but just not not great, you know. But you know, they're, what, two... 2-1-0 over the, this week, so that's not too bad, right? You take four points from a possible six. It's not terrible. Yeah, the only bad thing is you, you lose to a team who lost nine in a row. Yeah, but with that being said, you knew they were going to win eventually, right? You're saying their losing streak was unsustainable? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm saying their losing streak <laughs> was unsustainable. Hot takes. Hashtag. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I know. It's just... It was a clunker. It left a bad taste in our mouths. What are we going to do? 
Yeah, what, what makes it worse is that the Islanders, since Barry Trotz has shown up, have been great in back-to-backs. It's specifically the second leg, where they were 14-0-1 going to the game against Montreal. So they're 14-0-1 second legs in back-to-backs. They're cruising at the top of the NHL, and Montreal, like you had just alluded to, had lost eight in a row, or was it nine? Something stupid. So you're like, lulls, the, uh, the Islanders can win this one. And of course they don't, and it's not even they barely lose. They lose in convincing fashion, like unconvincingly, what do you, however you want to term it, just was not good. The scoreline wasn't even, was too flattering even for the Islanders. They lost 4-2 and it should have been 4 nothing. How that That's how bad they played. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You're really not wrong. Uh, so with that, you can get more post-game content like we mentioned on Patreon. So patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Something that happened this week in those three games that we were talking about was a couple goalless streaks were ended. We're going to start with Jordan Eberle. Let's start there because he went 14 games. Yes, there was injuries, but he went 14 games. The first 14 games of the year for Jordan Eberle did not have a goal. Not great, Mitch. <laughs> no, it's not great from your top line right wing. He's supposed to be the number one right wing for the team. And like you say, doesn't score a goal for 14 games. And yes, Yes, there was an injury there, but he was out between uh, October 13th and November 10th. He came back, sorry, uh, November 8th. He came back on November 9th. November 9th is when he came back. He went goalless from November 9th all the way to December 2nd. So almost a full month. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games without a goal since coming back from injury. That's still not good. Nope, not at all. And... He didn't look good, like you said. Coming Since he came back from injury, it, it didn't look like he was having the same impact or the impact that we would expect from Jordan Eberle. But finally, he was able to turn that around in Detroit. Bags, too. That's great. Um, you know, one, one on the power play, that's even better for the Islanders specifically because the power play has not been good. Uh, but he's back to scoring, and he's look. It, it took him a while. It took him longer than you would like, but it took him a while to get up to game speed. Like it, it's almost not fair because everyone else has twenty some odd games before Jordan Eberle is is up to speed. Or let's say they have twelve games on him. Right? Yeah. Let's say by the time he comes back, let's say they have an extra twelve games on him to get to that speed, to get their timing up, to get clicking. He's twelve games behind, and he's got to catch up. So he's he's going to take a little bit of time. It just unfortunately took a lot longer than we thought it would. Oh, yeah, 100, 100%. And the funny thing is, this isn't necessarily the first time that Jordan Eberle has started slow. Last year, he did that. He only finished with 37 points last year, but 19 goals. He came on strong with the goals at the end of last year. And Barry Trotz seemed to give him a little bit of a vote of confidence, saying like he started slow before... They still, he still expects him to be the player that he knows he can be. I guess my question for you, Mitch, is what? Okay, what do we expect from Jordan Everly now? Is he going to go on one of those insane tears? Is it going to be two goals and then regress again? What are we thinking? I think he he goes not on a tear, but he gets to his twenty five goals. I think he gets twenty five goals coming in the season. Like Barry Trotz alluded to this, like you said in the post game, that he starts off slow. In his second year in the league, if I'm not mistaken, he put up 34 goals. I, I say that, but I'm just trying to have it open. Yep. Did you, did you say true? True. Yeah. So he puts up 34 goals in the second year in 2010, or sorry, 2011, 2012. He doesn't score a goal until the eighth game of the year. 
And then from there, he starts going. I know eight is a lot different than 14, but it's not a whole lot different over an 82-game sample. It just takes him a while to get going. But once he gets going, he goes on those tears. Like, in his next uh, eight games, let's say, one, two, three, he's got three goals. That's not a lot, but then he starts heating up. Again, he ends the year with 34. 34. It just takes him a while to get going. So he's probably one of those guys that just gets better as the games go and like after the all-star break that's when they start turning it on like you alluded to last year that's kind of what he did uh it's just it depends on what he does leading up to that because if you you can be a 60 point player for half the year you're still just a 30 point player yeah no that's a great point and right as it stands right now so he's played 16 games with the islanders this year he has eight points, two goals, six assists. That is a pace of 41 points over a full 82-game season. Obviously, if he missed time, it's going to work out to a little bit less than that. Eventually, you think that number gets closer to the 45-50 mark, right? I would I would believe so. Do, do you think so? Like, What are you seeing from Jordan Eberle? Like, what's what has been the turnaround? Because he now not only has two goals, but he's got three points in his last two games. Yeah, I think, honestly, it's going to be getting more opportunity because he was put down on the third line for a little bit. Understandably so, because he wasn't playing good. But you can't expect him with playing with Michael Del Cole and Leo Komarov to be able to do anything. <laughs> That's a tall order. Uh, but once he got moved back up, I think we could see him start to produce a little bit more. And... For me, I think that it's going to take after the All-Star break for him to really hit his stride. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to go all the way to, when's the All-Star break? Early February? Uh, end of January, isn't it? Yeah. Like middle of January or something like that? Jan- okay. So January, let's say in the mid mid to late January. That's probably about right. I was just guessing. So In the NBA, it's February 16th, and it's usually before that for the NHL. Okay. So... For the let's say for the NHL, what is it? I saw you nod. Yeah, January twenty sixth. Okay, so end of January. I think that he could be around a half a point per game player at at that point up until let's say January, and then from that point on, like the last few months of the year, January, February, March, into April, is when he like flips the switch and starts to become like maybe three quarters of, of a point per game player. 2019 playoff Jordan Everly. Well, yeah, not scoring a goal every game, but like some, <laughs> going on one of those stretches where he has six goals in 10 games or something like that. That that seems sustainable for a player of his caliber. Uh, we didn't see that last year. And, and at this point, so you alluded to his, his stats or his, his pace stats, right? He's on pace, assuming he plays every single game here on in for 36 points. That's taken off the 10 that he right. missed. 36 points. That's about what he got last year, right? Remember, he had 37, so it's not super far off. I would imagine he gets better. Most of the team is performing better, like Matthew Barzal is doing better than he did last year. So is Josh Bailey, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't done his pay stats just yet. Uh, Brock Nelson, even. Uh, Beauvillier. Yep. They're all having better offensive years, so it would surprise me if Jordan Eberle is the one guy who doesn't. Yes, he missed time, but he's going to get back to that, that top-line role, like we saw already. Like Barry Trotz is already putting him up there with Lee and with Barzal. Much to my chagrin, I think he should be on the second line with, with Brock, but you know, there's there's something there between Barzal and Eberle. We saw it a couple of years ago. Uh, there, there's something that can work there. They seem to be buddies on the practice surface, so like maybe on ice it could work out. 
Yeah, just him and Gary. Him and both Garys thieving pucks all over the place. <laughs> Gotta love it. But okay, let's. I know it's. I know it's early, and but this is yep. all what this is about. Last game of the year, the Islanders' season comes to an end. They make the. We're assuming they make the playoffs, which is probably a fair assumption. But nonetheless, last regular yep. season game. We look at the yep. stat sheet. Yep. Goals, points for Jordan Eberle. Yep. Goals, twenty-five points. Uh, let me let me do the math here. Uh, Thirty, sorry, fifty-two points, something like that. Okay. So like twenty-seven assists, I think, is the math. Yeah, the, I'm more concerned about the goals and the point. The assists, we we'll let the listener do the math on that. This isn't a math <laughs> show. <laughs> 25 and 52 is what I'm going for. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to say 23 and 49. Okay. So we're not super far no, off. No, no, no. We're within that 50-point player. Right. Which I think, considering that he's going to miss 10 games and with his slow start, I think if he gives you essentially 50 points, I have him at slightly under, you have him slightly over, and a, me a little bit less than 25 goals, you right at that number. I think you sign up for that. So if we, if you do the, the the points per game on that, assuming he plays all seventy two games, right? Because he missed ten, uh, that's a point six nine nice uh, <laughs> points per game pace. That's what you'd sign up for, right? Over an eighty two game sample, you're looking at a fifty seven point player. That's Jordan Eberle. That is Jordan Eberle, right? Over the last three years, sorry, exclude the thirty seven points. Before that, fifty nine, fifty one, forty seven. You're looking at a fifty five point player. Yeah, that, yeah, that that seems pretty much on par, right? So, like, we're not saying like, oh, he's going to be so much better. No, we're 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 getting to the point where we're talking about a guy who gets to where he is, his niche in the NHL, which is a fifty-five point player, give or take five points. That's what he does. That's what he's going to give you, and that's what we're thinking of. So, like, we're not asking the you know for the moon here. We're just it. It seems he's back. He, I'm stumbling over my words here. But we're thinking he can get back to the Jordan Eberle we know he can be. Or he's shown that he can he can be over his 10 years in the NHL. Right. And the weird part is, the Islanders throughout their streak, when they won all those games and went on that 17-game point streak, they were doing it without offense from Jordan Eberle or Anders Lee, who we're going to get into in a little bit. But for Jordan Eberle, the fact that the Islanders were essentially putting up great, great numbers and you know a ton of wins, obviously, without two of their top six players heading into this year performing, that's pretty impressive stuff. That's very impressive. Now, if they can get those those two guys to continue performing as they are performing right now, then that'd be great. At least on the stats sheet, that'd be amazing. No, 100%. Absolutely. So anything else on Jordan Eberle before we move on to Anders Lee? No, I, I think we've beat the horse dead on this one for George Jordan Eberle. Let's move on to Anders Lee. All right, so when we come back, we're going to get into Anders Lee and what we could expect from him after his slow start. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Now we're talking about some Anders Lee content. He ended a 11-game goalless streak, now has seven goals on the year. Good to see him score some goals, right, Mitch? Heck yeah, it is. He started off well, right? Before those 11 games. He had five goals before that 11-game slump. Uh, and then it just dried up real quick. It absolutely did. And 
That's one ah, frustrating might be too strong of a word, but Anders Lee is a very streaky goal scorer. There's times where he goes cold, and then there are times where he is red hot and scores like eight goals in ten games. <laughs> yeah, he's just not on that pace right now. No. Well, sorry. He kind of is. He's got two goals in the last three games. That seems about right. Yeah, so like, I don't know, man. I I want to see him get back to that 40-goal pace, but I just don't think he's there. I don't think that under this Barry Trot system, he can hit 40 goals. I really don't. Uh, no, I would say probably not. But do the Islanders necessarily need him to be a 40-goal scorer? That could probably be what the conversation would be about. Okay, right. Fair enough. What do they need from him, though? Because they're they're getting, what, he's got seven goals? Seven goals in 26 games. So seven by 26 times 82. They're getting 22 goals out of him right now on pace four. I would say probably would need a little bit more. I think you need in the high 20s to low 30s from Anders Lee. You need you need him f- at 30, give or take five, I would say. Yeah, plus or minus five from 30. Yeah, I, I yeah. probably, I agree. Yeah. that That's what you need from him. And if you're not getting that, not that you're going to lose, you're going to have a hard time. You, you can make it up elsewhere. Like look at Anthony Bovillier. Right. Um, or, or even Matthew Barzell, right? Matthew Barzell's on pace for, if I, I remember correctly, like 33 goals or something, above 30. Um, so you can make up goals there, uh, but they could, they still need him. If they want to be that that championship caliber, uh, caliber team, they definitely need him to, to pop in 30, and he's not there yet. He just isn't. Uh, and mainly because he's not popping him in on the power play. He has zero power play goals so far this year. Yeah, that's the thing for me, which is why I think he is is going to get that number or that pace number up a little bit. Last year, he had 10 power play goals. Year before that, 14. He's someone who's going to give you right around 10, give or take a little bit more, uh, power play goals a year. So I, I think that tends to even out over time. I don't expect it. Like, I would be very surprised if the year is over and he has like five power play goals. If he does and he still manages to hit 25, I don't care. Uh, but it would. Remember, the Islanders' power play last year was terrible. Like, straight-up garbage. Like Someone went to the dump, found some like terrible crap, and was like, hey, look at this. It's the New York Islanders' power play and threw it on the ice. <laughs> That's what they did last year. It was Scott Gomez. Scott Gomez did that. Sounds sounds. Um, right. And he still had 10 goals. He still did. Remember, like you just said, he had 14 the year before that. So to, to go from an okay power play to the worst and still put up 10, you would expect him to put up another 10 in a decent power play system. They should be able to find a way to get him to score goals. They should find a way. They should be able to. They just haven't yet. And that, that dam is going to break. And when it breaks, look out NHL because backhands from a foot away from the goalie are going to fly. Right. And a lot of Anders Lee goal, and I'm not saying that he's a bad player or that he's not talented, but a lot of them have to do with deflections and stuff like that. He just yep, hasn't been absolutely. able to deflect them into the net. He has he has gotten opportunities. They just haven't gone in. So I think they're going to start coming. And again, he's going to start to lean more towards the average. Because right now, he is definitely below average of what he normally is, whether it be goal scoring or his shooting percentage is at 11.5, which would be his lowest since uh, his 2015-16 season where he only scored 15 goals. So... 
Yeah, so he's he shoots on average at 14.3%, right? So if he's, how many shots do you have on net right now? 61. 61 times 0.143 should have 8.7. So round that up to 9. He should have another two goals right now. Right, and so what would that be a pace of if if he did his average for the rest of the year? Could we get the math on that? 28. 28? If he was shooting at 14.3%, or sorry, not shooting, scoring or converting shots to goals at a 14.3% ratio, he would be on pace for 28 goals, which is exactly where we, yeah. we have him at a plus-minus five goals from 30. Yeah, we could, we could survive on that. How's that for some math? Boom. I, I'm surprised. You had that really quick, too. Arithmetic, Holmes. <laughs> I have my calculator. Uh, and I did it right. I know I did it right. He didn't miss any games? No. no it's all right. He didn't. Uh, but what I want to check is just to see, like, is he scoring or, or producing at the same rate we want to? Not just in terms of goals, because we know that's not necessarily the case. But is he getting the opportunities that he should be, uh, or not should be, but needs to to create? Like, is he getting enough high danger chances? Because if he's not, well, then there's the problem. So he's getting 85 high danger chances for uh, a total this year. Okay. Which is on uh, per game. Let me just do the per game here. Is 3.2. 3.2 high danger chances for per game. 3.3 rounded up. Last year, he had 264 divided by 82. 3.2. So he's getting more. Okay. So Although he didn't score a whole ton last year. No. Let me do his 40-goal season. How about we do that? Okay. I like this. What do you think? I like this. What do you think it's going to be? So what was it last year? What did you say it was? Last year, let me do the math again, sorry, divided by 82, he was getting 3.2 uh, high-danger chances for per game on average. I'm going to say 4.4. You would be wrong. Uh, let me just do the number again here. It is 2.9. He had less? He had less. He had 239 high-danger chances for over 82 games in 2017-18. Hmm. This is, of course, at 5-on-5. Five Right? Let me just make sure I have at five on five. Yes, it's at five on five. Interesting. Okay. Wouldn't have thought that he had less. Yeah. So, and he scored a ton of high uh, five on five goals that year, right? He had 26. Yeah, he did. So, something's, something's going. He's getting a ton of chances at five on five. So, you would think that they would start going in. Like, there's nothing better. Or the, sorry. There's no better argument for him scoring more than he's just going to get luckier. Yeah, and I know that, that that's what it comes down to. Right. And I, I know that sounds like super strange because you can't necessarily quantify luck. But if you're just looking at how his career has gone so far, it's going to start to turn around. The same thing. We had the same conversation with Eberly just a couple of minutes ago, but I feel the same way with Anders Lee because there's no way he's going to finish the year with zero power play goals or even at like low single digits. That number is going to go up and that's going to put his, you know, goal total pace way up there too. It would have to. Sorry, you said there's no way to quantify luck and I was like, well, they do use PDO a lot. I So I'm just trying to find that out right now. What's what's his PDO, right? Mhm. Cuz that that'll tell us. Um there's just there's, there's 10 Anders in this whole thing here <laughs> and I can't find Anders Lee. So I have to do that. So I don't have to be lazy. Um, scroll over to the right. This is great audio content. His PDO is 1.02. So 102 PDO, which is not crazy high, but it's high. So he's lucky. 
although most of that is save percentage, right? He's shooting, he's five on five shooting uh, on ice shoot percentages. Uh, what is it? 9.42. And his on ice save percentage is 9.254. So like he's writing a higher save percentage than he is shooter shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, this, this kind of tracks. Uh, I just, his, his luck number isn't saying that he's bound to like get super lucky all of a sudden, which is odd because that that's what it's got to take for him. Yeah, okay, so then are you are you kind of talking yourself down from him putting up no. twenty five plus goals this year? It's just the numbers aren't saying what we think is going to happen. I'm not saying that the numbers are always right; they're not. You could justify them either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just saying like there, there's nothing here screaming out at me like the numbers going, "Oh my god, he's about to like bag a bucket of goals." Except for me, just kind of like feeling it in the ether or something, you know, hoaxy like that. Well, that's it. We're feeling it in the ether, Mitch. Yeah, baby Yoda's flying around me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling the metachlorian levels rise. I like that baby Yoda guy. P.S. It's not baby Yoda. Come on now. What do you mean? We know it's not Yoda, right? What do you mean? It can't, it's not Yoda. Yoda's dead. Then who is it? It's whatever his race is. I have to look this up. Anyways, I can get a whole Mandalorian thing afterwards. I, we, we can do it later. We can do it later. Baby Yoda. Uh, nonetheless... <laughs> Anything else on Anders Lee before we move on? Just keep keep shooting, Anders. Just keep shooting. Like he's doing that right now, right? He's averaging like four shots per game, except against Montreal, where everyone pooped the bed. He had one shot on goal. But in the uh, three, four games before that, he had three, four, four, and four. So just keep shooting, buddy. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to transition and get into the rumor mill, one of our favorite places on this planet, and talk about Taylor Hall because things are going completely downhill in New Jersey. They fired their coach. It is a dumpster fire. They are underachieving. And in all likelihood, at the end of the year, Taylor Hall is not going to extend with the New Jersey Devils. So they most likely are going to be looking to trade for him. So what we Or trade him, rather. What we wanted to do was talk about the pros and cons of trading for someone like Taylor Hall. And then on top of that, what would it take to land a player of that caliber? So let's start with the pros. Let's start positive. He's a Hart Trophy winner two years ago. That's a, that's a strong positive, Mitch. That's a good one. I like that. Right? 94 points to drag the dead carcass New Jersey Devils into the playoffs and play his first... <laughs> His first year in the playoffs, he played five games in the playoffs his entire career. His entire, and he had to drag his team there. They lost, well, all four. They won only a game. So, like, yeah. his playoff resume is garbage. It's right out there in the dumpster next to the Islanders' power play from 1819. <laughs> and I know that in 1819, he didn't play all that much, only 33 games, but in those 33 games, he had 37 points. He's a good player. He's a really good player. One of the best left wings in the league. One of the best ones out there. Uh, just unfortunately, the positives start ending there. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, the, for me, the cons, and it's going to kind of get into the second half of this conversation. A cost is going to be pretty high. It's the cost of just trying to acquire him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, his cap hit is, is great at $6 million. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the trade deadline rolls around, who cares? Whatever happens, the Islanders have four point five point four eight eight million dollars for the cap space. They trade anyone with any sort of cap hit, and they they have the space for Taylor Hall. So there's there's no problems there. Uh, but the cost in trying to get him from a divisional rival, eesh, 
that's going to be insane. But, but even before that, mm-hmm. there's, well, you, ideally you want to extend him. How the hell are they going to do I, that? I disagree with you there. See, okay. I usually, mm. I usually do not like rentals, but Taylor Hall is the perfect rental. I don't want to be locked into Taylor Hall in his thirties. I don't. But I would if I'm trying yeah. to go for it right now. I I do want him on this team. Yes. I guess, and then it gets back to how much. So how much we give up? But regardless, then there's injuries, right? The guy, like you said, last year wasn't around the entire time, and he doesn't seem fully fit. He seems okay, but he's not. You know the Taylor Hall of old, but then again, he's he's only 27, so he's not like he's dead. No, and also I, I think a part of it is the team around him is terrible too. I think if you put him with a Matt Barzal, I think we see his numbers go up. He has four goals, 18 assists, so 22 points in 27 games for the Devils so far this year, which isn't terrible. But again, like you said, the Devils are awful. They they they're so disjointed. They don't know what's going on. They made huge changes to the team, and it doesn't. It's just not working. Uh, so he wants out. Well, he didn't say he wants out, but why would he want in? Like the guy wants to play. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. That's all he wants to do. And he hasn't been able to do that at all. Again, no. five playoff games in his entire career. He's what been around nine years, maybe 10, uh, maybe ten. ten, nine, I would ten. say 10 years. He has five playoff games to show for it. Even John Tavares had more than that when he left. Yeah, that's a great point. He did have six points in five playoff games, by the way. And he's good in the playoffs. The small sample size we've seen. It's there's just there has to be more for him, and he he has to want to win, uh, and then he's just not happening in New Jersey. It's just not. He can't go another year winning the lottery. He can't do that. How damaging would that be to his psyche? Great. All I'm good for is winning the lottery, and not the money one. Yeah. <laughs> And not the money one. But I don't think that's going to negative. So do you think he's going to bring like negative juju? Is that what you're worried about? No, no. What I'm saying for him, he can't go into the year where I'm not playing in the playoffs. Oh, 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 okay. I misunderstood. He can't. So he's leaving. He's leaving. Mm-hmm. It, and that, that's what I'm getting at. I should have said that. Okay. But he's leaving because you can't go into the year where I'm we're, we're, we're gunning for top pick again. I can't win the lottery a, what, sixth time in my career? I That's can't crazy. do that. Yeah. I need to play for the Stanley Cup. I was a first overall pick, and I've played for the Cup five games. Five. That's it. That's all I have to show for it. That's not good enough for a guy like him. No, it, it really isn't. Well, it's not good enough for anyone. I, I there, there, Even Chandler Stevenson or Ross Johnson isn't going to say, like, oh, all I want to do is play five playoff games. No, they all want to win the Cup, obviously. So, like, Duh. that's a bit of conjecture on my behalf. No, uh, of course. But I think... Taylor Hall, that's another positive. I'm going back. I know we're going all over the place. That's but fine. This is a player who is like a immediate impact, like changes the trajectory of where your franchise is going. Right, Because right now, if you look at this Islanders team, yes, I think they are a playoff team. I absolutely 100% think that this is a team that is going to be yeah. in the playoffs. But... If you add a piece like Taylor Hall with this roster, I think you go, okay, now this is contender, contender level. You would have to, right? Like, think about their, their they have a top nine now, really, although they wouldn't have a center. Uh, they would have a top eight <laughs> when you think about it. But that top eight would be Hall, Barzal, Lee, Bailey, Eberle, Nelson, Beauvillier. 
the fact that we included Broussard in there without even thinking is ridiculous, but he's in there. Did you say? That's a great top eight. No, it is. There's, they would have a much deeper team, obviously, which is kind of what we've been yelling and screaming about on this Islanders team for a little while here. But uh, that's that was kind of my point is, yes, this year, and I, that's what I was saying last year with like the whole Mark Stone thing, is the Islanders put themselves in an opportunity where it's like, wow, we didn't expect them to be here. And they could have capitalized on it and like went, okay, we're exceeding our expectations. Let's really try for this thing. They didn't do that last year. Would they do it this year? Well, so what do you mean by they didn't do it last year? Because they they did. It's just the context for them doing it, not the sexy time, uh, was different. Well, they didn't. They went for it last year. They tried to land Panarin. That's going for it this year. Sorry, right. I'm just lumping that together with last year. But what is, sorry, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, just keep going. I'll bring it back to the point that I want to make because it's not necessarily going to fit in this narrative. So I, I will concede. I give you that. All right, fine. Just because they stayed, they stay where they were at the at the deadline. They said our our team's good enough. We think we could win with this team. Well, they didn't want to meet the price for Mark Stone, but yes, ultimately they they once they couldn't meet it, they're like, all right, fine. We're just going to stick with what we got. So do you think the same thing happens again this year? Probably. I tend to agree with you. I, I mean, I a part of me wishes that they don't, but I tend to agree with you here. If they do, if they do, it's not going to be for a rental. Um, I guess so. It's just not. Not yeah, probably. But then. They don't have a ton of space to work with to trade for someone who's going to be like a direct impact player with a cap hit because they have to sign Pulak, Taze, and Barzal this offseason. So that's where I wanted to bring this. Now I want to bring my other point okay. is, well, they were going to bring in Artemi Panarin for Connor McDavid money. Mm-hmm. They knew very well that they were going to have to sign Barzal, Taze, and, and Pulak. And they were going to bring him in, him being Panarin, as a free agent. So without having to lose any other pieces. Something would have had to move, though. S- something. You can still move Johnny Boychuk. I, I, but it's still, like, they, they were well aware that something would have to give. And they were well aware that they were going to, that they could, sorry. They were willing to give $12.5 million to someone not named Barzal, Pulak, or Taves. Right. And still give them, I would assume, money. Because again, it was a free agent deal. They weren't going to get get rid of any of those three guys. So, why do we think they can't make this work? It's hard. It's not going to be easy, but they seem to be willing to to, to try it. And that this this seems like the, the 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 type of player that Lou's trying to get. Again, Mark Stone, Artemi Panarin. He took swings at both of those players, and then once he couldn't, he was like, "All right, I'm good. I'm checking out." I don't know. That's a good. That's a really good point. I, I I don't really have a good answer for you though. Does he really think it's like that much of a step down in talent from the next level of player? Well, it is. You, you're talking about you know elite level players. After elite level, it's no longer elite, and it's a step down. Yeah, but is Hall not elite level? That's exactly what I'm saying. He is elite. Okay. So he's in that tier of player that Lou Lamarillo is trying to add in Mark Stone, in Artemi Panarin, Taylor Hall. That's the kind of grouping he's trying to add to his, his team if he can. If he can't, then he's just like, we'll deal with what we've got internally. Okay. Uh, all right. 
how he makes it happen, I understand. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know how he's going to do the... Just just picture me doing that Zach Galifianakis meme where he's doing the Rain Man calculations at the table. That's what's going on in my head right now. Like, how do you move enough around to sign Taylor Hall, Matthew Barzal, Brian Pulak, and Devin Tate? How the hell do you do that? I don't know. I don't have a good. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for you, Mitch. Like, I know it's possible, but we it would take us like an hour to just work this work this around. Well, let's play this game, Mitch. Not not yes. that game, but. The- this, uh, this other game, I should have been a little bit more specific. The Islanders are trading for Taylor Hall. Yep. You're Lou Lamarillo. What are you? You're calling up the New Jersey Devils. What is your package? First round pick. I'm going to go backwards. And, and I'm thinking this on the spot, right? So, Sorry. Uh, first round pick in 20... That's fine. It's, we should have wrote these down beforehand. But anyways. Uh, first round pick in 2020. Gone. Mm-hmm. Easy. Agree. Um Bodie Wild, bye. Okay. Um, then you have to give up a roster player, and that's that's where I'm not sure who we give up as a roster player. Probably no. I I, I don't. I'm too attached to him emotionally, but probably someone like Josh Bailey. Okay. Although, why why would they take him? Why would they take Josh Bailey? Like I'm saying this, and why would they take him? So maybe Bo. Maybe my package, similar but different. So when I explored what I thought it would take, I think it's going to be three pieces. I think it's going to be a pick, a player on the team right now, and a prospect. So I went first-round pick, 100% agree. I I know the Mark Stone trade was for a second, but I think they're going to have to increase the price because it's in division and all that stuff. First-round pick. Prospect, I went forward, Oliver Wallstrom. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair. All right. That that I I wouldn't be ready to pay that, but I okay. That's cool. And for the roster player, Scott Mayfield. He's cheap. He yeah. would be a immediate upgrade to what the Devils. Besides, obviously PK Subban, but he would be a really nice addition to that defensive group for the Devils team. And you're getting a prospect like Oliver Wallstrom and a first round pick. I would be pretty enticed by that. I think. I think so. But who knows, right? It might even be more than that. It might cool. be like, that's the price for anyone not not in our division. <laughs> Could you imagine? Then it's Lewis hanging up right away. Boom. Yeah, done. no, at, at that point, yes. Uh, 100% agree. But I think if I'm looking at like value of Taylor Hall and then value of what I'm willing to give up in order to get that at, at, the, at this very instant, a rental of Taylor Hall for the rest of the year, I would be willing to part with a first round pick, a Oliver Wallstrom as a prospect and essentially make the swap of uh, Scott Mayfield out, Noah Dobson into the lineup. Yeah, and keep in mind, the closer you get to the deadline, the sorry, it, it, the the price rises the closer you get. But if you can't move him at the trade deadline because you're just sitting there going, like, no, we're going to take with what we want and you're not giving it to us, every GM's going to go, all right, you have to deal him. We know you have to deal him. You can't lose this guy for nothing. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. This is not going to be a John Tavares situation. It's just not. It's almost, almost which again is really depressing. Very depressing. But it's almost like when the Islanders were forced to trade Thomas Vanek at the trade deadline and got like a bag of pucks for him. <laughs> Obviously, we know that Taylor Hall is better than Thomas Vanek, but that that's the point I was trying to make is that they got way under market value for what they should have. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I, I don't think it happens. I really don't. But this is the type of guy that Lou's going to take a swing at. It would surprise me if he if we find out he didn't. It would really would. It would shock me to my core. Ooh, okay. A core shocker. Yeah, if he doesn't go for it. I'm not saying if he doesn't make the trade. If he doesn't even inquire. Okay. All right. Like if he's not one of the, the five teams at the at the death of it still in it. Yeah, I, I I'm I agree with you. I wouldn't be betting money that he makes a move like this for sure, but I think the Islanders' name is going to be in the conversation. Yeah. I, so far, it hasn't really been. There's been one, I think it's NBC, put the Islanders as the, the sixth in terms of power rankings to, to land him. Okay. It's really been a lot of Montreal, which, come on, Lawless. He, he he could, but like they just lost eight. Uh, he could. Again, he just wants to win. Montreal, uh, Edmonton, come on, really? Although they're Back winning, so Edmonton, maybe. I, I would be very surprised. The whole new structure, so maybe. But yeah, so this is the typical sharks I've seen. Though again, I don't know. They, they, I know they have cat magic, but still, I, I, I don't think so. Kevin LeBanc, unbelievable. Anyways, ready to get into the quiz, Mitch? Yes. All right, let's do this. Do it. So, as we mentioned, it's a new type of structure for the edition. Excited. This edition is the Gilles Thibodeau edition, who played twenty games for the Islanders. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Matt, same kind of gimmick. Ask you three questions on Gilles Thibodeau. Okay. You and your buddy Gilles. All right, first one. What position did Gilles Thibodeau play? Seems like a center to me. That is correct. Yes, let's go. <laughs> oh, good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Uh, he was a center. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with the next question here. What, uh, sorry, when did he play for the Islanders? So year. Or the season I'll take. God almighty. Um, 1997. Good job by you. Incorrect. It's close-ish. Not really. It's not really that close, actually. 1989 to 1990. The 1989-1990 season. Okay, that's not even remotely close, but okay. I heard 90 and I was like, oh! Anyways, all right. How many points did he score in the 20 games that he represented the New York Islanders in the 1989-1990 season? How many points? Three. I'm not even asking goals, but if you give me goals and assists... I'll go three points, one goal, two assists. One goal, two assists. Incorrect. He scored eight points with four goals and four assists in 20 games. All right. Good job by Jean Simodeau. That's all I got. So you're you're pretty good on that one. One for three. What happened to him after that? Uh, he was traded to the um, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, so he did not. So he went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, let me just bring it up here on December twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, along with Mike Stevens, and the Islanders acquired Jack Capuano, <laughs> Paul Gagne, and Derek Laxtell. Okay, so he's the reason that Jack Capuano was within the New York Islanders organization. He, he and Mike Stevens, anyways. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, bud. <laughs> Thanks, Jill and Mike. Uh, but, well, that was interesting to learn more information about him. Thank you for bringing, bringing that to my attention. Gilles Thibodeau to your life. Gilles Thibodeau. There you go. Good job by you. All right. So with that, when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what is trending on Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Now getting into the social segment of episode 120. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So I have one tweet, uh, and it's from uh, Dom. Uh, oh God, I'm going to massacre this last name. Uh, 
Paragine, Paragine. I'm sorry, Dom. It's at Dom, D-O-M-P-E-R-A-G-I-N-E 15. And the tweet reads, me wearing my Isles gear while picking up pastries in the Bronx right from the airport. Baker, let's go Islanders. Did you stay up to watch the game? Me, I was at the game. I took the overnight flight back to make it for Thanksgiving. Baker, that's true dedication, man. This is on November 28th. So they had just played the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, impressive stuff. I mean, that 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 is tremendous. Best fans in the business. Dom, you flew from the from New York all the way to LA to watch the game and back again. That's incredible. Or or sorry, you're already you're based in LA and you flew back to to, to catch Thanksgiving with the fan back in New York. Regardless, just slow clap. No. Just just slow clap. This and the Isles meetups. It's insane our fan base. No, I mean genuinely kudos to you for doing that 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 is something that i would not be have been able to do i just can't function on that little amount of sleep so i really i mean hats off to you we'll slow clap it up that is just 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 good job dom just good job repping the brand the isles brand that is all right mitch so i got one for you uh the islanders are gonna make me broke did you see that they fired off it had to be at least three or four tweets of new merch that they're putting in their team store, and it is all fisherman-related hats, and I love each and every one of them. They are just one after the next. They just keep getting better and better. I'm not a big fan of the fact that they're snapbacks, but I, I, outside of that, I don't care. They're beautiful. Are all of them snapbacks? I don't think so. I, I don't know if all of them. I imagine most of them, all of them are the hats anyways. I, I didn't see the, at least the island of the fishermen once are snapbacks. I uh, in the, the first set. So we're talking about the four hats that they they tweeted out first. Uh, there's the one like trucker hat type of thing, and then there's the one that the second one they tweeted out. It's got the uh, the fisherman logo on the side of the hat. To me, that screams 1990s starter jackets. Oh, 100 percent. But the other two on the bottom, I think they are flex fit. Not flex fit. Excuse me. Like the uh, adjustable. I would think. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I like I like my fitted. Like my fitted hats. Okay. All right. But it's fine. I, I like it. I, w- I will buy one. I will buy one when I get there. I'm doing it. But like I said, the second one with the Islanders, the fisherman on, on the side of the hat. Oh, that's sexy. A, that is a beautiful one. Uh, the the teal, it looks like it's um, adjustable is pretty cool. I re- I'm a big fan of the white with the blue brim. That one looks really nice too. The, one, the fourth one yeah. on that first one. In the second grouping, it's the like – the lighthouse with the blue and orange brim that looks like a snapback that one looks pretty good even the blue and orange brim with the uh fisherman head looks pretty dope too i wish i had seen some of the live reactions from the fan base because i remember when they put out the first set with just the hats and a few people going like oh why don't you guys do the the lighthouse and then boom the lighthouse one comes out i wish i'd seen the reaction going oh my god they did it so quick so they had a really good uh, quick graphic designer. Did you? I'm a big. I'm not a big beanie guy, but did you see the fisherman beanie that they put out too? I did not. Okay, so you go on to their Twitter page, obviously. And I'm going right now. It's a teal bottom, tweets. and it's got like the stripes and the navy blue up top. Oh yeah, I'm not a big. It's, it looks nice, but I, I would not buy that. That's just not a me thing. All right. It looks nice, though. It looks comfy, but I, I wouldn't. It's just not my thing. But, man, most of these, these are, are just straight-up fire. Uh, the, the, so the, the third set is the one that you mentioned earlier with, or that I mentioned earlier with the um, the lighthouse. 
Oof, just so good. So good. The lighthouse hat. So it's a it's a blue, navy blue hat, orange brim, boom, big lighthouse right in the middle. Oh, it looks, looks great. It does look really nice. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of this. I, I really am enjoying this new content from the Islanders Twitter page. Wanted to put that out there. Dude, they interacted with us. They never interact with anyone. They they liked one of our tweets. When does that ever happen? And not even just us, but anyone. Yeah. They're they're living outside of their own bubble, and I'm I'm all for it. It's amazing. It's crazy. What a concept. Interacting with social <laughs> on, on social media actually helps. What are the odds that you Oh man, that if you like what your fans are, are saying about you, that it'll go well. Unbelievable how this franchise has been dogged by poor social media for so long and they're finally figuring out like how to do social media got anything else for us i have nothing else okay i got one it's gonna stir not stir the feathers but it it might bring up some uh poor poor thing i'll I'll just i'll spit it out i guess i'm doing a bad job of uh explaining is it it mets related No, no 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 okay it's ryan lambert related oh yeah okay uh, he sa- he says uh, Robin Leonard is a classic dumb guy who thinks he's smart. I don't understand. I I mean, obviously, the, it's about the story that came out in the Athletic today. Yeah. But I, the more this guy tweets, the more I hate his guts. Is that too strong? Just look at that smug avatar he's got up there. I I don't know. How, like, how could you hate on Robin Leonard? He's maybe the most likable athlete. So what he says on the athletic, you can disagree with, and I certainly do. I don't necessarily agree that like it's all about uh, a mental health coaching. To a certain extent, I'm sure it is, uh, or, or that we should immediately not look at what people have said in, in today's context. You know, we understand that what people are saying has always been bad, regardless if we think today it's been bad. You you start throwing the n word around. That was oh, always not a good idea. Yes, of course. Um, and of course, he's not just saying about that, but he's, he's talking about like coaches kicking people. And I understand what he's also saying, that most of these coaches come from a culture where that was what you did. That's how you got guys riled up. It wasn't like, here's an iPad. Here's me showing you what you did wrong and what you need to fix. What is the norm nowadays? Right. It's been kicks to the back, slaps to the head. That's what you did. Uh, so, yes, there's a certain cultural understanding of that that's what happened and that was the context that those coaches grew up in. But they didn't evolve with the times and that that is wrong. They did something wrong and they should be held accountable for it. We all should. And, yes, that doesn't mean that you could – that you're, you're done. You should never coach again or never play again. Like you said, he got a second chance. Mm-hmm. He was a bad person. Yeah, you're entitled to a second chance. Absolutely. Bill Peters entitled to a second chance for sure. Absolutely. If he can show that he's that he's rehabilitated himself, I'm using air quotes here, then fine. But does that make Robin Leonard a dumb guy just because you don't agree with that's, him? That's the point that I wanted no. to get to is that I, I think the, the take that this is a classic dumb guy who thinks he's smart is just a that's a way big stretch. We also have to consider like what he's saying doesn't necessarily always come across because English is his second language. Maybe it might even be like his third or fourth language. You know, he he's not American. He's not. No, he's not. But I, to me, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I hold. He's a little bit different for me than most athletes. But anytime he talks, I I want to listen because I really like you know what he's all about and stuff like that i just find him interesting too so just to, it just seemed it came across very dismissive to me and i didn't really care for that 
You're right. It was completely dismissive because not everything that Robin Leonard said was was disagreeable with. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with everything he said, but I agree with some of it. And that doesn't make him dumb because I think that I know better. And I don't. I don't know better. But my opinion is different. How dare an, an, uh, an athlete come out and share his opinion? Uh, maybe not the most eloquently said, but again, it's his second language. Mm-hmm. I think it was perfectly fine what he said. There's no, it's not, I don't agree with it, but I don't have to agree with it. That doesn't make him dumb. And that, that doesn't make him dumb. That's another thing that I wanted to get to, too, is that I just don't, I don't like, because that's a, a big part in today's world, but if you disagree with someone, then they're immediately like the worst person to ever exist and that they are awful at everything. Yeah, but he's, he's a Trump supporter, so he's got to be an idiot, right? I don't. I don't agree with that either. Like, I, I, I don't. Obviously, I mean, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously. I don't agree with Trump's policies, but that doesn't mean that because someone voted for him or likes Trump, that I should immediately dismiss that person. Oh, you're a clearly an idiot because you like Trump. No, come on. Like, let let's let's not go to that level here. And that that's exactly what happened with not only Ryan Lambert in the past when we when all the Islanders fans started defending the Islanders but even just on this tweet specifically there's pictures in the, in this in the uh, in the thread underneath his tweet of like Robin Leonard's mask and it says Trump on the back what's wrong with that i don't understand you you don't have to agree with or, or like you, they're, they're mutually exclusive statements you can like Robin Leonard the person and dislike the politician or you could do both if you want to who cares or at least, or you can respect someone and not agree with everything that they stand for that's a much better way of saying it. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to get that one. I know Robin Leonard's not on the team anymore, but he has such a connection to this fan base. And I saw that and it really rubbed me the wrong way. So I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I it rubbed me the wrong way too. And for a while I didn't know what it was. Cause obviously like, you know, super above the board and, uh, and, and way too ethical. Uh, Ryan Lambert is going to quote what he's trying to say or, or give any sort of context to what he's saying. He's just going to spew nonsense on the internet. God, I hate that guy sometimes. God, I hate him sometimes. He's such a smug, pretentious words that I want to throw out here that I won't. Yeah, I, I'm I'm over it. I really am. So maybe I, I might have to just not give him the time of day at all. But it, it, it rubbed me, the like I said, it rubbed me the wrong way and I wanted to talk about it. No, they're, they're, I think you're right in, in bringing it up in this context, but we don't have to quote tweet him. We don't have to give him the engagement. The more engagement you give, the more it's going to get out there and the more he feels justified in saying that type of thing, even if you're disagreeing with him. Absolutely. So with that, let's just get some plugs in here before we wrap up this episode 120. It's been a fun one. Wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us out a ton. We appreciate all the support each and every week. And it allows us to do what we do. And again, we're very appreciative. So if you could give us a, a subscribe rate and review, that would really mean a lot. You could also, if you're interested in the post-game content or the mailbag show, which we're going to record after this episode, actually, uh, you can subscribe to the uh, Patreon page for five bucks a month. You get post games for every game. You get a mailbag show once a week. You get a newsletter each week. Uh, so it's a ton of content for $5 a month. Patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You go to the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. If you want us on your smartphone, Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android, and uh, social media, at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. 
Mitch, episode 120 in the books. Certainly a fun one. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Let's do it. 121, baby. Burr, burr. <laughs> the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's funny. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.